You know, we gotta stop meeting this way. Welcome to episode four of Film Soliloquy for yet another disclaimer. Uh, one of our movies again, The Others, deals with the topic of suicide. So if you don't want to hear about that, feel free to use the time codes to skip around. Uh, one other thing, I, in my review, I refer to some of the characters as being from Pakistan. They are actually from Afghanistan. So keep that in mind as you listen. Enjoy the show. Yeah, like we always do with this. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do it this time I go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to bind You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to Cole Fresh bubble jacket, should I hate Hello and welcome back to Film Soliloquy We're back for two weeks in a row They said it couldn't be done You're here with the Dancing and High smith of podcasting i'm jeff and i'm jason and uh we're not going to waste a lot of time we're going to dive into our movies as always uh these are going to be fully spoiled so if you don't want them spoiled check out the time codes you can skip around you can jump to which movie you want to listen to or you can jump all the way to the end and find out what we're listening to next week or excuse me what we're watching next week uh so first things first we need to figure out who gets to go first I used to like this game as a kid, man, and I still love it today. I think I might, I might even play it tonight. What are we playing, Jeff? We're playing Spin the Bottle. Yeah, I like that game. But there's no kissing. Winner gets to go first, so I'm going to spin the bottle. Whoever it points on gets to go first. And uh, you ready for this? Uh, yep, I'm ready. All right, I'm spinning it now, and it's me. It's me. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what the heck? What kind of cheap, lame hey, bottle is this? Hey, hey, the bottle has spoken, bruh. Now, that was that was my wife's bottle. I'm going to be in trouble. Oh, I can't go home. Hey, F is that your bottle. couch free? F that bottle, man. Should have been Diet right, Coke anyway. Listen, all right, let me cheer you up. I got to say, before I start my review, that regardless of what you rate, the others, the movie I gave you, mm-hmm. I already know you gave me the better movie. <laughs> All right. You love it, huh? That's what I'm talking about. So you made me watch Lone Survivor, a 2013 film starring Mark Wahlberg, uh, Taylor Kitsch, and directed by Peter Berg. Uh, it is based on a true story of some... Uh, a small group of army or excuse me, Navy SEALs that uh, go on a mission that goes horribly wrong. Yep. That's a pretty good summary. Yeah, that's it. All right, your turn. (laughs) Now, so uh, this movie is set in 2013. I believe the events happened in uh, 2005 is when the events happened. Uh, A small group of Navy SEALs set out to, capture or kill uh, a Taliban leader by the name of Ahmad Saha. I have to apologize up front. There are a handful of names that I don't know how to pronounce. I'm going to butcher them. No disrespect. Man, they, he deserved to be disrespected. So, F that guy. Well, this guy does, but there's <laughs> there's other characters in the movie whose names I can't pronounce that deserve respect. All right? So... Real quick. So last week's episode, when we're introducing the movie, you said one thing that still disturbs me to this day that you said Mark Wahlberg is not a good actor. So I'm going to ask you just straight up up front real quick. What did you think about his performance in this film? Oh, we'll get to it. Okay. All right. It will be addressed. All right. All right. So the film starts out. The the, the very opening of the film, it looks like real footage of real Navy SEALs training and uh, the going through all the hellacious stuff they had to do at like boot camp or wherever this is. One of the things that you see happening is they keep putting down these helmets and ringing a bell. And I, I don't know for certain because they don't necessarily explain it, but 
I believe that's someone quitting. Yes. Not making the cut, right? Yes. So they're actually, well, I wouldn't say not waiting to quit. They're, they're, their body is so physically and mentally drained that they quit. So that's the yeah. symbol of them quitting is ringing that bell. And this is actually pretty effective uh, to, to watch this uh, at the beginning because when you watch these real men doing this very real training and seeing what they go through, it's like, ooh, goodness. It, it just adds a layer of respect to uh, what these men go through when they join the military. Uh, after that, it cuts to a military base in Afghanistan. You see one gentleman played by Taylor Kitsch, who is playing a character named Michael Murphy. Uh, he gets a email. I'm going to skip some. Some of this is trite. All right. So you kind of introduce your um, to the characters one by one. Uh, in, in this first early scene, these early scenes, you, they kind of establish that all of these men have families. All right. And so as Jason discussed last time, uh, on the last episode, he mentioned that it's called Lone Survivor, Jeff. You know people aren't going to make it. So as they're establishing the families that these men have, uh, you already know they're purposefully trying to pull at your heart, your heartstrings and um, kind of immediate reaction was I kind of see through this. All right. Okay. Yeah, they've got families, you know. So they get through that and... Uh, Michael Murphy and um, was it Danny Dietz was the other, the um, comms guy? I think so. Yeah, I believe. So let's just say it's Danny. So Danny is uh, another member of this group and he and uh, Michael Murphy, uh, they go running around. They basically have a race. And when they get done with their race, they come back in. It's everybody's sitting down to eat and you're kind of getting a little bit of the camaraderie of the group. Uh, as you're introduced to uh, another, uh, the basically there's a quartet that matters the most. There's um, Marcus Luttrell, who is played by Mark Wahlberg. There's Michael Murphy, played by Taylor Kitsch. Danny Dietz, played by Emil Hirsch. Uh, and Matt Axe Axelson, played by Ben Foster. So, and they kind of, you know, you, you're they're sitting around eating and you're getting to know them. And they get pulled aside and they're told the mission. Right. So uh, they're hunting after this one member of the Taliban who's like a, one of the peak leaders. He's in this little village uh, in Afghanistan and they kind of lay out the plan. You're going to land here. You're going to have backup here. And they run down all the military plans, stuff I can't really remember. And it doesn't really it's not that pertinent to the story. So all of these guys. There's also, there's one really young guy who's like wanting to go on his first mission. He's really gung-ho and they kind of haze him a little bit and give him a hard time. And, but eventually later on, uh, or before they set off on the mission, they sort of swear the guy in, he's ready to go. So our core four, uh, are going to be dropped down first and they're sort of going to be laying in wait. Uh, so they get dropped down. And they have to hike uh, about, was it a three-hour hike from where they get airdropped to where the location is where they believe this Taliban leader is. So the hike's pretty uneventful. They get there, no problem. And essentially, this village is surrounded by mountains. And uh, they can look down easily into the village. Pretty quickly, they're able to establish that the mark they're looking for is there. When they notice that the mark is there, they say, okay, let's set down, let's set up shop. We know this mission is a go now. The guy we see is there. They have a code word, which is Schlitz malt liquor that they, uh, they had several code words. All of them were beer, like Budweiser, Corona. And then like the big one was Schlitz malt liquor. Cause we see the guy we want to get. He's here. And so they're relaying everything back on comms and already the comms are kind of being a little unreliable. And it's mostly because they're surrounded by these mountains. So they decide, Hey, you know, we know we're good for now. Let's back up and kind of wait for things to be opportune for us to move forward with the mission. So they all back up and they all hide under some various trees. Um, so low hanging branches to just camouflage themselves in the scenery. And now it's a waiting game as they're waiting around for, I guess, nightfalls when they want to move. I'm, I'm not exactly clear on what it was, but I think they wanted to probably wait for nightfall to start moving. 
all of a sudden they start hearing these cattle bells and up the hill come goats followed by three young Pakistan, uh, well, three Pakistani men, one older one, one teenager, and then another one who's like nine or so. Our Navy SEALs try to be as quiet as possible because they do not want to be noticed. They do not want this mission compromised this early. Unfortunately, one of the, uh, the teenager trips on Mark Wahlberg's foot, lands on him. So now all the guys have to come out, all four of them come out of the, their hiding spots, point guns on these three and, and capture them. And one of them tries to escape and they grab him, put him down and tie him up. And now they're confronting with a, confronted with a real moral dilemma. So they have this mission. They've located a prime. Uh, did they say at the beginning he was like on the top 10 most wanted? Didn't they identify him as like playing cards, right? And he was like, if you were, if Ace of Spades is one of your top uh, enemies that you want to capture, he's, I think he was like maybe a jack of clubs or something like that. Yeah. So this was a big fine they've been looking for this guy now they've got the mission's kind of compromised now you've got these three people from the village where they know this taliban leader is uh they find a hand radio on the oldest gentleman and they know that that radio's back to the taliban so they know they can't really trust these guys these aren't just innocent bystanders these these folks work for the taliban so they have to have a discussion and three of the four, well, not so much Michael Murphy. So Michael Murphy's like the leader of the group. He's the captain, but he definitely looks to Mark Wahlberg's character a lot for advice. He doesn't necessarily make a lot of decisions on his own. Uh, he definitely talks to his team. He's a good leader. And so they're talking to the team about their options. And Michael Murphy says, I only see three options. Option A, we let these guys go and we head for the hills and hope to get uh, a better oh before this so like i said their comms were messing up so at this point their comms are like completely out um so they have a satellite phone that they're able to use briefly and it's not sounding great either but they're able to relay back hey um our comms are kind of messing up can you help us out and so the home base knows that there's something wrong with the comms so they have to decide hey do we release these guys and try to head for the hills and hope that they don't come after us B, they tie the guys up and they head for the hills so they know that these three guys can't report back and that will buy them some time to get far away, get where they need to go to get a signal and get extracted. Or C, and I wanted to quote this uh, verbatim, but I can't remember, but um, I believe he's, Michael Murphy says, we eliminate the compromise, which is pretty obvious what he means. So they've got these three guys tied up. And as they're discussing, um, Axe says we should kill him. The comms guy says we should kill him. I think Michael Murphy's kind of on the fence. And Mark Wahlberg is firmly against killing him. He says, let's let him go. That's not who we are. And we'll, 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 we'll do our best. So his argument carries a lot of weight with Michael Murphy. And Michael Murphy says, okay, let's let him go. Let's head for the hills. So they let three guys go. They run for high ground. They're trying to get a signal and they don't get far before they're found by some Taliban members with guns. Yeah. So they're running up the hill and that teenager is running down the hill full speed, trying to trying to warn his brothers down there that the Americans have arrived, you know? Yeah. And, the, and this teenager, while he's sitting there, one, uh, I believe it was access. Look at him. He hates us. And this teenager has a scowl on his face. And it was kind of his argument. Let's just kill him. He does, he hates us anyway. Um, but, you know, that's not what they do. Uh, so while they're running up the hill, you are seeing this young man run down the hill. And they get a decent ways away. But then they, the guys with guns start coming. And they start opening fire. And people are getting hit left and right. Nobody's really seriously injured yet. But they get backed up. To the point where there's a steep hill and it's rocks all the way down. And as they're looking down the hill, like a mortar shot blows up behind them and they all four go tumbling down the hill. And this, I should have timed it, but it felt like they're falling down the hill lasted for like a full minute and they're bouncing off of things. 
they're getting just destroyed as they fall down the mountain. And so they get to the bottom of this first hill. And so now these Taliban leaders have the high ground. They're down here on the low ground and they're just doing their best. They're smoking, throwing smokes. They've got, uh, they're, they're just firing guns at the, the enemies. And uh, you might need to help me because I can't remember the next circumstance, but they end up falling down a second hill. But before they do that, during this gunfire, the comms guy, Dietz, gets shot in the hand and two of his fingers get blown off. He's still got his hand, but two of his fingers get blown off and they, uh, Mark Wahlberg lost his med kit. So they're having to pack all these gunshot wounds on all of his mates with sand, which is not sanitary, but I guess that's what you have to do in that situation. And so Deeds, the radio guy, is looking at his hand and he starts going into shock and he starts losing it a bit. They're trying to hide from these guys who are walking by above them. Think that scene where Frodo is hiding from the wraith, the ring wraith, and they're hiding under the tree. It's kind of a similar scene. They're right above them. And Deeds is freaking out and he starts yelling and like, shut the hell up, man. You know, uh, he's just losing it. He's, he, and he takes the wrapping off of his, off of his finger and he looks at it and he's just in shock. He, he can't handle this. And so they get pinched again. They're getting pushed on again from the top. And they're like, well, our only option is to fall down another hill. And Dietz is so in shock. He's not willing to do it. I'm not going anywhere. So Wahlberg has to pick him up and put him on his shoulders. And as all four of them start walking, uh, Axe dives, Murphy dives. And before Wahlberg can get dive down the hill with Dietz, Wahlberg gets shot. He drops Dietz right before he falls. And Wahlberg falls all the way to the bottom. Murphy hit, not Murphy, Axe hits a tree and is pretty brutal. So now three of these guys are at the bottom of the hill. And Dietz is at the top. And is this is just going from bad to worse. It went south so quick. Now, as they're down here, they Murphy starts to realize, hey, we're kind of screwed. Um, we can't get a signal to call out on my sat phone. We have Taliban on top of us. We have nowhere to go behind us because right now if they run out, they're just basically going to be fish in a barrel because they, again, the Taliban have the high ground. Michael Murphy says, decides as a leader, he's going to sacrifice himself for his team. He looks at a very high peak and essentially tells Mark Wahlberg, hey, I'm going up here. I got to get the sat phone to work. Otherwise, all of us are going to die. And he realizes that if I go up here and I die up here making this phone call, I'll at least give you two, Axe and Wahlberg, a chance to get out of here. Now, while this is going on, Axe is looking up the mountain and he's a marksman. Axe is sniping the hell out of these dudes. And he says at one point while he's aiming to shoot, I am the Reaper. And he just starts, he's, it's awesome. So Axe, Axe quickly became my favorite character in the movie. Uh, ben Foster, who plays him, does a superb job. And one of the things about these movies, I'm not a big military movie guy. But one of the things about them, in order for them to work, I have to care about the characters. And I cared about Axe. I, he was my favorite. He's sniping up the hill. He's taking guys out. And while Murphy is making a run for the tall peak, the Taliban are over Dietz. They're going through his belongings. You find some personal items like Dietz's wedding ring. One of the guys takes out of his pocket and tries it on his fingers. Just kind of this reminder. He's got people at home. They focus down their rifle on him. At this time, it cuts to Murphy, who's on top of the peak. And Murphy gets his sat phone out, and he's able to make a very poor phone call, but he's able to get out, let the guys know they need extract. Now, home base knows they're alive. The forward operating base knows they're alive. And so Eric Bannon is in this, and he's kind of the leader of this whole troop. Like, he's above Michael Murphy. And he says, we know they're out there. Let's roll. Let's get in here and go. They start packing up. They get that young kid to go. They get about 10 to 15 soldiers in one, one helicopter. And they're getting ready to go to save these guys. And a, another person runs out and says, no, 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 you're grounded. 
The Apaches are not here to support you. Now, an Apache is an attack helicopter. It's got heavy weaponry. So now they make a decision. Do we go without Apache support or do we wait and maybe lose our men? They decide to go. So two of the the big double, you can tell me what they're called, Jason, but the ones with the two propellers, they head to pick up their guys. We cut back. Michael Murphy has made his phone call. He's kind of out of it and he starts to stand up a bit. They cut back to Dietz and he's got a gun in his face. It cuts back to Murphy and he takes two in his back and both of them die. So now we just have Axe and Wahlberg. This helicopter, they see, they see it coming and Mark Wahlberg is giddy. Yes, we're saved. Thank God we're saved. Oh my gosh. And when they're about to land, you hear beep, 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 beep. And everybody on this helicopter freaks out, turns around, someone launches an RPG. And that rocket goes through the back gate of the helicopter all the way to where the pilots sit and explodes. And this helicopter goes up in flames. Everybody on it's dead. And Mark Wahlberg and Axe are now without hope. And it's kind of it's it's heart heartbreaking yeah man. it's kind of the <laughs> moment in the movie like there's a lot of moments in this movie it's kind of the moment where you're like golly come on man like they they want to get out they have mercy on these three come on you know and they're kind of paying for it you know and at one point before Murphy dies um mark Wahlberg looks at him when he's about to go sacrifice himself and he, he says i'm sorry because he talked them into letting these guys go. And now all his friends are dying. Um, so he kind of realizes the weight of that. And it, it, what's good about this movie too is it's like I can respect the idea of being the better person and letting them go. But now there's this tally. There's this cost that comes along with that. And um, it's pretty good. Um, so now it's just Axe and uh, Wahlberg. And so Axe is in the woods. He's still shooting. He kind of, it, it, it seemed to me he got separated from Wahlberg somehow. And I don't remember how, but he's kind of in the woods and he runs out of ammo. He gets shot pretty good. And so now he's like, cannot walk. He's crawling around. He's sniping people, shooting them with his pistol. And he ends up getting shot real good. And he's out of ammo and he's hunched up against the back of the tree and he's Breathe it kind of erratically, kind of like if you ever seen Terminator 2 when Miles Dyson has the detonator. He's like, I don't know how much more. Oh, man, what a sad scene I can that hold was. This. And as my favorite character is sitting there, before this happens, let me back it up. So it's just Wahlberg and Axe, and they're talking with each other. He's like, he, he kind of turns and Wahlberg's like, man, they shot you in the back of the head. And he's got this graze mark axe does in the back of his head. And he kind of laughs and he goes, listen, man, if I don't make it, you need to tell my wife, you know, I love her, all these things. And then he says the part that's going to segue into why I like this movie. He says, uh, I wrote it down. Um. I want you to let my wife know I died with a full heart beside my brothers. Now, I know a few people have served in the military. And when they're out there in the field, they're not thinking about their country. They're not think, thinking about their flag. Um, they're thinking about the man next to them or the woman next to them. They are going to do everything they can for that person. When Axe loses his brothers, that's the hard thing. But I love that line. And then, so anyway, later on, Axis sat up against this tree, huffing. And he sees this guy with an AK. And Axis is pretty much helpless. And the guy with the AK looks, shoots once. Bing, misses, hits the tree. Shoots twice, hits the other side of the tree, misses. I, I don't remember if it's four, but eventually he gets a shot hits axe in the head and he's die and he dies. And I think that was apropos because, and I think it was on purpose because axe was the sniper 
Axe did not miss. He hit his shots. And it just kind of showed, like, even though this guy is a supreme, uh, I keep wanting to say Marine, a supreme Navy SEAL, he couldn't survive overwhelming numbers. So now we're down to Wahlberg. And at some point, Wahlberg broke a leg. He's in bad shape. So he starts limping off and he comes to a river and it's a nasty looking river. It's got the water's green. I don't know, but he's so thirsty and so exhausted. He, he kind of dives in or falls might be a better word, falls into this river. And while he's drinking up the water, he noticed two more native Pakistanis. One of them, a very young boy. And one of them, sort of a middle-aged man. And so Wahlberg immediately freaks out. You know, points his gun, you know, turns around, grabs his grenade. Because I think he's lost all his guns at this point. He's got a grenade, though. And he's, like, threatening them with this grenade. And you can tell, though, this guy is different. This this guy is not part of the Taliban. He um, is, like, trying to give him calm gestures. Reaches his hand out, you know, kind of motioning, come with me, come with me. Uh, Mark Wahlberg doesn't understand uh, his language, and uh, this Muslim gentleman doesn't understand Mark Wahlberg's language. And I'm not assuming he's Muslim. It is shown in the movie. Um, So he reaches out, and it's actually kind of a core point. So he reaches out, he picks this guy up, uh, he and his son take Mark Wahlberg back to their village and try to nurse him back to health. And while they're doing this, um, sort of the second in command behind this leader they're trying to get comes into town with a group. They're like, we know he's here. Where is he? Where are you hiding him? So they kind of turn over. So these guys, this group. All right, let me slow down. So he brings the Mark Wahlberg into his house and there's an older gentleman in this guy. This character's name is Muhammad. There's another character in Muhammad's house who is clearly not happy that you it, it's again in another language i don't understand and it's not subtitled but he's clearly unhappy with what's going on and mark Wahlberg is freaking out again he's like is he taliban is he taliban and he's threatening him with the grenade i'll blow you up i don't care i'll blow you up i'll blow me up i'll blow everybody up i don't care i don't care now i don't think that guy was taliban i think he realized the risk they were taking and trying to protect mark Wahlberg, and he was saying it, it's not worth it to him to risk his life for this guy. That's what I think he was saying. So this. Yep. hundred percent. That's exactly what it was. Let's talk about Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, here we go. I said previously that I don't like Mark Wahlberg's acting. And what I mean by that, he's got, he's a good comedian. He does comedy pretty well. And he does action pretty well. Where I think he lacks is in the middle ground. Subtlety. And I think he lacks it in this movie. When he's with his brothers and he's playing off of other people, it's good. He's good. Everything's fine. Once all of his brothers die and it's just him, the quality of the movie takes a slight dive. And the scene, this scene in particular is what I'm talking about. When he's got the grenade and he's like, I'll blow you up. I don't care. I don't care. I'll blow him up. I'll blow you there's something about it that just didn't click where I think if you had Ben Foster delivering those lines, someone who had a little bit better acting chops, it would have gone a long way because all I could see was Mark Wahlberg playing Mark Wahlberg. I'm still not a fan of Mark Wahlberg as a dramatic actor. I would say like uh, this is one of my favorite movies of Mark Wahlberg where I thought or me personally, I think that his acting is exceeding my expectations and I thought it would have exceeded yours, but well, it sounds like I was pretty close. It exceeds what I expect from Mark Wahlberg. All right. Fair enough. But he's still not a good dramatic actor. Go back. If you watch this movie again, watch Ben Foster and watch the way he delivers the line. I died with my brothers with a heart, with a full heart. That guy can act. He can act circles around Mark Wahlberg. Like, he's the one that made me feel. Like, the other guys, I found the comms guy to be a bit annoying. Although his acting when he was in shock was really, really good. I found Taylor Kitsch to be fine. He was good when it mattered, but it wasn't 
it wasn't memorable, but it wasn't forgettable. It, it was fine. Uh, but Ben Foster, to me, kind of stole the show in this movie. He was excellent. I have to agree. So you can see while Mark Wahlberg is in this village, he sees the, the Muslim villagers and they're arguing out there. And as they are, this second in command leader comes in with a group and they start raiding the place and they go in and they grab Mark Wahlberg. And previously in the movie, you saw uh, not explicitly, but you saw a man get decapitated uh, because he had helped someone who was an American. And now this same village, because the same log that other guy got decapitated on is now being raided again by this group and they're pulling Mark Wahlberg out. And you can tell they're going to decapitate him. Before they can, a group of the locals in this village have AKs and they fire a warning shot and they point them at this group of Taliban. And of course, the leader is like, you guys are all going to die for this. Your village is going to burn because you want to save this guy. Anyway, they save Mark Wahlberg and... Mark Wahlberg has a map and he kind of lets a guy know, Hey, here's where the U S guys are. If you go them there and tell them where I am, they'll come and get me the whole time. Mark Wahlberg is with this little boy with his dad, Muhammad, who has saved him. And while they're waiting for the U S military to come back to save Mark Wahlberg, that threat from the second in command about, uh, you know, fostering, this U.S. military man was not idle. They come in and they start killing folks. And they have no regard for anyone. Not their own. And certainly not for Mark Wahlberg. While this is happening, the it's kind of there's a lot of these small scenes that build camaraderie between Mark Wahlberg, this little boy, and Muhammad. Um, and it's quite important, but I can't really relay it because it's small things. So like one thing, he's just trying to get a knife and, a, and how patient Mark Wahlberg has to be because the language barrier um, is important. And just there's little scenes like that. So one of these Taliban guys gets on top of uh, Mark Wahlberg and he's choking him out. The little boy comes with a knife and slides it to Wahlberg and Wahlberg's able to kill him. And there's some other circumstances where the leader of the group dies as does the second in command. Um, but it's eventually the U S military swoops in with their Apache helicopters that they should have had in the first place. They scare off the Taliban because now they've got a ton of firepower and they land and they're taking Mark Wahlberg and say, we're going to get you out of here. You're safe. Now you're going home. And Mark Wahlberg turns to Mohab and he's like, no, he's coming with me. He's coming with me. And his, his Navy mates are like, no, he can't come with you. And the little boy runs up. He gives the boy a hug. He says, thank you to Muhammad. And Mark Wahlberg goes home. Uh, they do some chest compressions. Mark Wahlberg has this overlying monologue about his brothers. And um, we go to credits. During the credits, they show photos of all the men that died on the helicopter. Of the, um, the four main characters. And the last photo they show is of Mark Wahlberg's character, but the actual real life guy embracing Mohammed in a safe place. And it's so effective. And then the real credits roll. So there are a couple things that are absolutely brilliant about this movie. And I'm a big fan of for, uh, foreshadowing and things that are done not in a flashy way, but that are done on purpose or even that are done on accident that can be interpreted as being on purpose. And one of the things that I found um, the most poetic was that they let three lives go and they lost three men from this initial four. So saving those three lives cost them three lives. And I don't think that was on accident. Just like I don't think the shots that miss well, minus axe, minus the helicopter, right? Not counting the helicopter, but the shots that miss act that missed axe. I don't think were done for any other effect than to show here's the sniper and they can't hit him. Um, so when the credits were rolling, I just kind of sat there through the credits and I waited and then I just sat there feeling emotional, feeling sad for my man axe. 
and then I wrote down on a piece of paper, A minus. It was fantastic. Dude, I, I love that film. I, it, I, I love that film. It's just, it's, it's a true story, like you said. And it's just, I always had this conception that obviously the mili- the United States military is just far superior, gun pirates, marksmanship, but just the relentless force of the Taliban climbing up a mountain, down the mountain, just riddling these, you know, these seals with just bullets, just they're relentless. It's, it's crazy just to think that these men, these group of men went through this in real life and that, you know, Mark Wahlberg will... The character he plays, Marcus Luttrell, I think his name is right, yep. um, gets to tell this, you know, heroic story of how his his brothers died and people who came to save him died and all that he went through. I mean, there he got shot. Everyone got shot multiple times. It's it's horrific, man. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And I have one other thing to say about it. I like the focus that they put on what the Taliban is doing to people of these nations because there's sort of a stigma of all Muslims are bad and they're showing you that there's these peaceful Muslims here that are just trying to live and these militant Taliban guys are ruining their, their lives. So the last thing they show you is that the reason Muhammad saved Mark Wahlberg was because, and I'm going to butcher this. Um, well, there's a shorter word called Pashto, but it's Pashtunwali or Pashtunwala, which is an ethical code by the indigenous people of Pakistan that they will protect, a, protect someone in need from their enemies, no matter the cost. So it's Muhammad's faith that saves this guy. And I just thought that was so important to show that you have this group of Muslims who are extremists and they interpret who God is their way and they're violent. And then you have men who interpret God a different way and they're peaceful and they lay down their lives for their friends. I loved it. So I can't say anything else other than if you wanted to make this an A plus move Mark Wahlberg to uh, make him the comms guy, the whiny comms guy, move Ben Foster up to the lead (laughs) and you've got an A plus movie. Other than that, it it was really, really good. Yeah, man. Now, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I know you're not going to like the others as much as I like this, but I'm fine with that. But I'm hoping that you at least didn't regret watching it. So I'm going to let you take the floor. All right. So I actually honestly think that you're going to be pretty surprised, man. So The Others is a movie with Nicole Kidman. You really didn't sell this movie to me well. And I know you did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. (laughs) That you did. Uh, It's Nicole Kidman. Um, Listen, I'm just going. the, The only way I can review this movie is just by doing it the way I think it should be done. And just right out the gate, again, this is spoilers and this thing there. Yeah. Everyone's dead. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, I was going to say before you start, I was going to give this as like a six cents level spoiler, but it's done now. Cat's out of the bag. (laughs) You have it. I hope you're quick on the pause button. (laughs) Everybody in this movie is dead. All right. So that way, now that you know, everyone's dead. I can kind of get you into what this movie is. All right. So Nicole Kidman plays uh character grace and grace, the beginning of the film, she wakes up and she just screaming heart wrench screaming. And it, the camera kind of pans up and she's in this, in this big house. All right. And again, since, I mean, I, I'm just going to spoil the heck out of this movie. Um, She's screaming because what she's done. And again, I don't want to. You need to watch this movie. All right. This is actually a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, so if you haven't watched it, go ahead and just stop this podcast. Come watch it and then come back and then I'll explain what's going on. So Nicole Kidman 
This character Grace just wakes out of her sleep screaming. And the reason she's screaming is because she straight up just killed her family. All right. She killed her two young kids and then shot herself in the face with a shotgun. It's sick. All right. So it comes back. She she hears some knocking on the door and there's these three people who um, come to the door and um, they're servants. All right. And they they come there with the premise knowing that, hey, we understand that you're in a big house. Uh, we can kind of see it's, it hasn't been upkept right. And uh, we're come, we're actually here to help. Uh, we actually want to help you clean the house. But really what they're there for is they know that this woman has just straight up died because <laughs> they're dead too. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I, I was fumbling with this actually this whole time when uh, before we did the podcast and while you were doing your movie review, I was thinking of how in a way I can just just review this movie. And this the only way feasible i think i could do it just by spoiling the hell out of it telling you everything that's going on in the beginning when obviously this is all revealed in the end so these these three servants come in and um they say hey we're actually here we want to help you clean the house um and unbeknownst to to them she actually put an ad in in the mail um well a letter in the mail this is based in this is actually these events happened in 1945 during world war ii or the end of world war ii really and um, she actually put a, a, a letter in the mail asking for some help uh, for people who want a job to help clean her house and be caretakers. Uh, but that letter never went anywhere uh, because, you know, there's, there's, she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so but let me let me tell you what what is so great about this movie, OK, is that now knowing that everyone's dead. And that um, she, the house, she thinks that the house is possessed or has spirits or ghosts or, you know, paranormal beings there because her, her kids that are there, uh, especially, um, man, what is her name? Let me pull it up real quick. The character's name, Anne. Um, she starts saying that she's, she's seen ghosts in the house. And uh, one of them, one of the ghosts' kid's name is Victor. And that there's a, a mom and a dad that's uh, that she sees all the time. And knowing that they're dead and you're rewatching the film, like everything they do during the past, it's actually being replicated in the future where the new tenants have moved in. These people are alive. They're they're taking possession of their, their new home for sale. And just every time it's just think about this, guys, think about that every time Nicole Kidman opens up a door and closes a door that the people who are living in the present day that are living in that house are actually seeing the doors open and close. So they know the house is full of ghosts. It's <laughs> phenomenal, man. Yeah, <laughs> and what's so cool about this, this is a horror film and the most, the majority of horror films that I'm accustomed to seeing has a bunch of jump scares and all that stuff. This is, the way that the film is presented, it's it's very tense, but there's no jump scares in it. Um, and obviously, during the whole time, you don't know that Nicole Kidman's character is dead. But there's a, several scenes pop up. And one scene in particular is Nicole Kidman says that she hates to have sound in the home and that she wants her servants to be there to be quiet. Don't play this. Don't play this piano that we have in this piano room. And one of the scenes is she's 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 it's late at night and she can actually hear music coming from a piano and i can tell you man i even text jeff during this time like man this ghost is playing some tunes and he's he's jamming on this thing <laughs> and so she goes and shortly to, after that you go hey she's dead isn't she i'm like uh no comment <laughs> so she's 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 going she's she's creeping up towards the door that's leading up to the piano room she quietly tries to open the door and right when she's turning the the knob the the, the keys stop playing and again just think about what the the director is doing at that time that he's playing two different scenes in one scene together and she's opening the door and the music stops playing she closes the door behind her she then tries to she she closes up the piano so that no one can play and she locks it and then she leaves the room 
And while she's leaving the room, the door slams in front of her. And it's just people, just the people who are living there are like, man, what the hell, man? <laughs> I just want to play my <laughs> piano. She's, this ghost is closing it up. <laughs> man, it's great, man. It's it's great. Um, this is where the movie actually, this is where I knew that they're dead. All right. So the their, Nicole Kidsman, Grace's uh, husband, went off to war and it's presumed that he's dead. Because he's been, he went to war and the war has ended a whole year and a half ago and he still hasn't returned. So obviously he's presumed dead. And Nicole Kidman is fed up with these ghosts that are tearing around, they're terrorizing her house. And she wants to go get help from a priest to go come back and just bless the house. Cause you know, stuff's going crazy, man. It's, it's crazy right now. And again, the suspense that leads up that there's this house is possessed with ghosts and that she wants to go get help. So she leaves and the caretakers obviously know that uh, they're dead. They know it for a fact and they know that she's dead and they just don't want to. They don't want to surprise her. They want to ease her into the fact that, you know, no one likes to to know. I mean, how hard would it be? Think about it, guys. Think about you knowing something that's terrible news that, you know, say you're dead and your friend and the person, you know, is dead. And you don't want to just like say, hey, bro, you're dead, man. <laughs> you want to kind of ease them into it. I wouldn't buy so, it. Like, we had that guy <laughs> yeah, like, whatever, so. bro. <laughs> you're high, man. Golly. <laughs> and so she leaves to go to the priest and they kind of let her go. And because they, they know that she she's going to get lost. Um, and it she she leaves to go to go to town and the fog who is already foggy it's it's pretty foggy around the home but the further that she gets distance between her house and where she's going the foggier it gets and it gets so dense and fog that she just completely can't even see the hand in front of her and she's freaking out she's trying to run in every direction and then she happens to stumble upon her her husband who has been presumed dead and she's elated to see him and he just looks dumbfounded like he's he uh you can kind of tell he's not all there and the, the premise is that and the assumption is that you know war has just completely messed him up but man i already debunked this i was like this dude's straight up dead like <laughs> <laughs> and after watching it the first time you can if you when you go back to that scene you can you you can see it in his eyes that he's no he's that he knows that he's died he's died on the battlefield i mean it's pretty obvious if you're at war and you get shot or you get blown up or something who knows what happened to him you, you know you're done for and so this whole time that he's he's been traveling uh, i guess maybe a year and a half you never know where he died in the timeline he's trying to you can see that he's actually trying to get back to his home to maybe say goodbye to his family and so he's really surprised to see his wife and his kids. And you can see that he's instantly depressed. And you can tell that because obviously he's seeing his, his wife and his kids and he knows that they're dead. Yeah. And he, yeah, it, it, that's a pretty pivotal and sad moment in there. And, um, and one of the things I had asked you a question and uh, this was in the beginning of the film where the kids and the wife just abruptly said, Hey, you know, we, we we had caretakers in the home before they used to they cook for us they clean for us and all of a sudden just in the dead of night they left no questions asked they didn't even collect their their last paycheck and i was confused like after i finished watching the movie the first time i was like so they didn't really explain you know what happened to the first caretakers that were there and upon viewing it the second time immediately it hit me i'm like oh duh what happened was is as soon as she, you know, she she smothers her children with a pillow, kills her kids and then takes a shotgun and blows her face off and kills herself. She instantly dies and then she awakens from her. You know, she you know, obviously she she kills herself and she awakens and no one's there anymore because they're in purgatory now or what they call limbo is what they say in the film a few times, I believe. Mm-hmm. And. The movie is full of religious themes. It's it's actually really good because, again, and I know um, I don't think we have ever said this on the episode before, but there's certain movies that we don't want to watch uh, where they have like demonic and possessions and satanic rituals and stuff like that. This is complete opposite. This is like really comforting to know that 
Nicole Kidman's character, Grace, is actually extremely religious. She's teaching her kids values and reading the Bible and that you need to be baptized and you need to, um, you know, you need to praise God and Jesus. And so that way you can get into heaven, because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. I mean, it's and her belief in it is so strong that she it's it's hard for her to believe that the where she's at, because she knows she she wants to do right and she wants to get to heaven. And it's it's really cool if you when you're really digging into the movie and you're thinking about it, that her kids didn't go to heaven either because, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. They just unfortunately were just she was they were axed by her by her mom. But I believe and you can kind of maybe because you're I, I really pride Jeff in his religious uh, statue and beliefs that and he can probably dig into this more with me. But I believe in the film. They don't really explain it, but they did mention that they they weren't baptized yet. And I know that I think in, you know, in the Christianity that, you know, uh, you need to be baptized to go to heaven. And I think they didn't. So that's why they're stuck where they're at right now. Um, and another part in the film is um, the husband, you know, the husband came back and he just you could tell he's out of it. He doesn't want to talk to his wife or kid or anything like that. And you can tell that, he, you know, watching again, you know, he's dead. And that he wants to leave the house. He said he needs to go back to war. And she's freaking out. She's like, hey, you know, you you come back all this way and now you want to leave again. The war is over. You don't need to go. You left us the first time. And that really and that puts it into to perspective there that they they were actually having maybe marital issues in the beginning before he even went to war. She said everyone in the town didn't go to war. They wanted to be there with their family. And for him to go, you can kind of tell he just he didn't like his life at the time. He didn't want to be with his wife. He wanted to go. And so you're kind of thinking that he wants to go back to war, you know, to go fight it. He doesn't want to be with his family, but I think what it is. And again, I'm digging into the movie, um, just with my perspective in it. Um, I think he wanted to go back to the front lines because when you die and you know, you're not going to heaven or hell, uh, you have to go back and haunt the place that you, that you died at. And at the end of the film, that's exactly what happens. So it gets revealed to them that obviously Nicole Kidman, she has this epiphany uh, after the caretakers revealed that they're in fact dead. They're like uh, Nicole Kidman, you're dead. And she she realizes that she uh, she did this horrible, horrific act where she she killed her her kids in her sleep using a pillow and then sh and shot herself. And that, in fact, uh, even it says in the movie line in the movie that. This is our house. We're staying here. And so she, it's destined that she's going to be haunting this this house forever. And they come to peace and the caretake, the new caretakers are saying, hey, you know, these these intruders, they're they're here to stay. You don't know when they're going to come. Uh, sometimes you get a feeling that they're that they're there and sometimes not. But this is something that we have to deal with. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, that pretty much wraps it up right there again. I. I I, I highly encourage and I hope you didn't to uh, hope you paused the, the, the podcast, watched it and came back. But even if you didn't, knowing the, what the, the ending is, go back and watch it. It's a, it's a great film. Um, the acting's really, really good. Um, yeah, man, I, Nicole, I really Nicole enjoyed Kidman it. Man. Do you have anything else you wanted to birth? add? You know, I don't know. Nicole Kidman's American, right? No. Right? No? No. What is she? British that British Canadian. accent is legit. So when you hear her using a American accent, that's the false accent. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I was going to say her British accent was on point. Yeah, it was really good, right? <laughs> so that obviously that that explains it. Yep. <laughs> this it's a it's a great film, man. Um I'll go ahead and get but before I give a, a score, do you have anything you wanted to add on there? I know this is this movie is full of detail. Uh, there's a lot of scenes that, that go on and a, a lot of maybe there's maybe hints in there of what what the twist is going to be, which, you know, obviously I kind of figured out right when the husband came back and she found him in the fog. But is there anything you want to add in there, Jeff? No, as far as the plot goes, you pretty much got it. I do want to say that uh, I bought this on Blu-ray specifically for you to review it and I gave it to Jason and he's like, man, you took the slip cover out. So I took like the line, the, the, the actual movie art out because on the front cover of the box, 
It says, a wicked twist ending. And I hate when movies say, ah, there's a twist ending. I don't want to know that there's a twist because then I'll be looking for it and I'll be more likely to find it. I'd rather just be surprised. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> and right when I, all right, so I'm in my, I'm in my, I guess, quote unquote, theater room slash game room slash wife's home office. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, I'll purposely, I knew this was going to be a horror movie and I know we have a rule, but it's to me, I was like, man, this movie's probably going to be borderline. <laughs> and so I'm in a dark room. I'm, I'm putting in a movie in and it's the, 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 op- the, the play scene comes up and it's really dark and, and then the opening scenes talk about how God made the earth in seven days. I'm like, oh my goodness, this dude hit me with this borderline movie. I'm, oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I even sent text, uh, so, Jeff a text saying, I hate you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I'll run down the rules because Jason is mentioning these rules. And uh, I've had uh, several people say, hey, you know, I'd like to like to be on the podcast sometime. Uh, and to do that, we need to assign you a movie you haven't seen. And in return, you would need to give us a movie we haven't seen. Jason and I have established a couple rules. Uh, Jason and I do not like watching movies uh, with demons or satanic rituals. So hereditary is out. We're not watching that. The second thing is we do not want to see rape scenes. Don't recommend a movie with that. Uh, and I will say for any future guests that break these rules, they will not be back. Um, and the other one is uh, we need to give everybody a time to watch it. So what uh, we say is if something comes out in digital or Netflix release, you got to give us 30 days to watch it. And that's really movie, uh, something for just Jason and I because we sort of reserve movies to say, don't watch this because I want you to review it on the show. Uh, the last thing is no TV series just because we don't have enough time and no drinks. So we can't do it. No drinks. Yeah, we can't do it. <laughs> Hot dogs for life. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, so uh, I thought you were hitting like the borderline, you know, a satanic demonic movie. I'm like, oh man, this is, I was actually kind of freaking out. <laughs> I'm in a dark room about to watch this demonic movie. I'm like, oh no, man, he got me. But uh, no, nah, it, it was complete opposite. And it was really refreshing knowing that the, the, the protagonist was deeply religious. It was, it was pretty good. So, See, you say um, that actually, and me on the flip side, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get too far into religion, but on the flip side, I'm like, She's so overbearing uh, that, uh, never mind. you know, just go ahead. So let me put, okay, let me put it this way. So <laughs> get ready for uh, Jeff's view on the world that is about to offend Christians and atheists alike. The Muhammad in Lone, um, Lone Survivor is a better Christian than graces in this movie. And I'll leave that, it at Which that. is completely fine, which, which is completely, I actually, me personally, and again, I'll, I'll throw some personal in here. Uh, but I, me personally, I think, uh, obviously I know I need to do better. Um, Let's uh, not get too I'll real, bro. We'll take this offline. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, I'll give, I'll give my budget. So anyway, this movie I, I thought was great, man. I, I know you're surprised. I'm I, I'm very surprised. I thought you would enjoy it because you love a good twist. Um, yep. and, and to be honest, I think you got more out of it than I expected because it's been a long time since I've watched this. And now you got me wanting to go back and give it a second watch. Mm-hmm. Knowing that they're dead and you know that the, what the twist is and looking at all the nuances in it, it's yeah, it's, it's great for an interesting second watch. I give the movie a B plus. Fair enough. The way you're talking about it, I thought it was going to be even higher. But like I said, I, I thought I'd given you uh, that. I thought you after watching my movie that you had given me the better movie. And uh, so, yeah. So let's find out what we're watching next week. We got a special guest. Typically around about this time, we start to introduce the new movie that we're going to be forced upon each other to watch. Um, 
but we actually have a special guest coming on. Uh, it's a buddy of ours. His name is Scott, and uh, he's going to be forcing us to watch a movie. Now, I, I gave you guys a number before we started this podcast up. You you remember what that number was, right? 16. 16. That's how many episodes Budget Arcade has made, and I haven't been on it yet. And this is episode <laughs> four, and Scott is here. I've been I was going to put that out there. This whole time. <laughs> remember that i think hey hey so that's a hint for you scott yep okay hey man i'm starting uh, to think the podcast is uh discriminatory against <laughs> us brothers. well you know we have an elliot that does hey, not um, count I, i'm gonna tell you straight <laughs> up so elliot i, I listened to his, him and tessa's podcast it's pretty cool. It's, it's it's really funny. I listen to Budget Arcade too, um, but Elliot. But you prefer white. Tyson Elliot? Yeah. He's no, he's just white. He can, he, can, he said you got he's an Elliot. Than Elliot's me. white. He's he's super he's white. The whitest guy I know. I mean, I don't even see it. it's the color of his skin, but I know he's white. Okay. Anyway, is that racist? So, no, uh, yes, but it's only racist that, <laughs> if you say that when you're Asian. But oh, okay, well, I'm half of that too. So. Yeah. Oh, then you're half racist. Yeah. Okay. okay, anyway, this is getting uncomfortable for me. So, Scott, uh, 16, since you're the guest. 16 episodes. Since you're the guest, what movie do you want to tell us what movie we're watching? Or should we tell you what movie you're watching? Uh, you could tell me what movie I'm going to watch. All right. So, you already know, but for the sake Ooh. of create, uh, what do you want to call it? Cohesiveness. Uh, the movie you're going to be watching this week is a beloved movie from both jason and i we've both seen it and so we feel free to submit to you keanu reeves in john wick very mm. nice yeah and you are going to enjoy it now here's the thing it, yeah i i'm looking forward to actually watching this one i hadn't had a chance to watch any of them so it'll be an adventure yeah and and now we are both giving you a movie that we rate highly now I believe you listen to the show, so you know that you get to tell us at the end of next week what you rate the movie, and that becomes the official rating for Film Soliloquy, and we have no say in it. This will be fun. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure. So if you hate this movie that we love and you give it an F, we'll accept it, we'll put it on the master list, and you'll never be back. So be forewarned. Now what are we watching? <laughs> All right, so you are both going to be watching The City of Lost Children. Jesus. And you told us this is a French film? Yes, this is a French film, um, but it has... Oh, crap, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Uh, Ron Perlman. Yes, Ron Perlman. Um, and Ron Perlman speaking French the entire movie. Oh, who, Lord. who would have thunk? Wait, wait, there's subtitles? It's not dubbed? No, no, it's it's subtitled, so you're gonna have to read a lot, JB. Oh, I'm sorry about that. God. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't think JB's <laughs> gonna like it, but all right. Hey, hey listen, so, listen, hold on, hold on, real quick. Let me get this right. straight. <clears throat> this is a French movie. All right. If anybody's listening to this podcast right now, I want you to put it on pause. Put it on pause. Go to YouTube and watch this trailer because I did, and it looks horrible. Oh my yep. God, I can't believe we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So wear your big boy pants uh, next Wednesday, Scott, because uh, it sounds like Jason, at the very least, is going to tear this movie to shreds. Well, you know, it, it's got very a very Nightmare Before Christmas-esque feel to it. Oh, God. So I don't All know right. if you, I if you like that. I, I have to yell movie. at Jason okay, like every episode. Then. <laughs> not to tell me too much, so don't make me do that to you. No, nope, I'm not going to say anymore. Will tell me the whole plot of the movie. All right, so we'll I'm see excited Scott, to have Scott next... on episode. All right, oh, damn oh. it, interrupt me. All right, what? Oh, sorry, Lakendra. <laughs> let let me close. Let me close. All right, so next week Scott from Budget Arcade will be on Film Soliloquy. We're going to review the City of Lost Children, and Scott will have a review of John Wick for us that will. Uh, provide to you next Wednesday. All right. So uh, music is by Sir Flame. Image. Uh, you can. Metroidmetal.com. That's a, that's a budget arcade reference. Thank you. Uh, 
Music is by Sir Flame. You can find his music uh, anywhere you stream music, Spotify, iTunes, all those places. Uh, you can also find him on Twitter and Instagram at Set It On Flame. You can follow us on Twitter at Film Soliloquy. You can listen to Scott in my podcast that we do with Cody and Elliot. Yeah. It's Budget Arcade. Uh, so tune in next Wednesday for more Film Soliloquy. Yeah. Yeah, like we always do at this time I'd go for mine and made plans for yours Cause I got the shine Go bar for bar, go line for line Like Kobe in 99, I'm so close to prime Bad bitch by my side, I'm so close behind We living in a moment, there's no post to buy You think there was a deal that I'm supposed to sign The game's just a mountain that I'm supposed to climb I remember, man, 11 years old when I made it to go Up in Fairville, I related to cold Fresh bubble jacket, shit, I hated the cold But when winter come around, we would play in the snow They had enough North Sway, so I made it to flow Hey everyone, it's me, Jeff, coming at you live from a public bathroom inside the local library. I want to tell you about my new podcast. I decided to name it Neo Retro Video Game Disco because I don't have a brain. Each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest to talk about a new video game that reminds me of an old video game. Yeah, what a concept. If it's pixel graphics, chip tunes, or our good old spiritual successor, we'll talk about it on Neo Retro Video Game Disco. I need you to go to your favorite place to listen to things that come down from the internet and search Neo Retro Video Game Disco. When you do that, click the subscribe button because you're going to want to hear this hot mess coming at you seven days a week. One of those seven days each week. But once you do that, my mom said we could be friends again. Subscribe to Neo Retro Video Game Disco on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you listen to things that come down from the internet.